The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for the Zozo Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good morning. Happy to have you. Good morning. A uh, rare way to introduce ourselves here on, on the First Cup Podcast, but um, playing in Japan this week, so we're done early on a Sunday, and uh, happy to talk it over with you guys with a, a little bit of coffee. Yeah. Additionally, our F1 insider is here, Kyle Porter. KP, <laughs> what a weekend for you, my friend. Well, you too. We've been we've Oof. been gallivanting about to sporting events around the around the country. Yeah, we are. We're 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 lucky. Uh, we get to do we get to do some fun stuff. You tell tell me about real. Give me Phillies Diamondbacks real quick, and then I'll give you some F1, and we'll we'll get to the golf. All right. Long story short, um, the. Going to a, a playoff game in Philadelphia is very expensive. Going to a playoff game in Arizona is not very expensive. So when you are on, yeah. So when you are on the West Coast and you're a Phillies fan and you want to do something with your dad, we were you know looking up tickets the night before, and I was like, dude, we could just like hop a Southwest flight, be there in an hour, like just stay downtown, go to this game, and we did something spontaneous. We went. We we'd never been to Chase Field. Uh, did not get the outcome for the Phillies, but it was a phenomenal game. I mean, it was back and forth. It was a great comeback. As as a fan of baseball, uh, doing something with your dad, it was it was it was top notch. Yeah, sure. really really good game. We and my sons and I watched it, and it, I, I can we, we've talked about this a ton, Rick. But the the pitch clock thing, it just it's amazing. It's not it's not just the speeding up of the game, but it it almost changes the entire uh tenor of the game right like do you yeah. don't you feel that i think that was the that might be the first time i've been to a game in the pitch uh, maybe second time i've been to a game but but you're right and and there used to be a lot of time between obviously between pitches and in the playoffs and in those big spots when everybody's on their feet there used to be this this almost too much drama not too much drama but this time in between and then you'd get timeouts this was every Every time I looked, I was like, oh, my God, he's like in his windup again. He is like he is delivering a, a pitch to the plate. It was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it just there's more urgency, which I think I think uh, connotes more um, 
co- consequential uh, outcome, like like the consequences feel like very urgent all the time, which is what you want during during a playoff game. Yeah, so. give us give us in the, the give us the F one. Sorry, sorry, Greg. I was just gonna add, in the baseball world, is this unanimous? Everybody loves the no, no, no. It, it's debated. Oh, players are out. I think. Oh, I think yeah. I think players hate it, and also baseball has a lot of traditionalists, right? right. Like, right. Oh my God. How about a, a lot of pearl clutching. <laughs> yes. How can both leagues have a designated hitter? How can, you know, I mean, that, in the history of in the last 115 years, uh, the traditionalists have been upset about everything. So no, but right. I, I mean, I guess it's probably outside of fans, KP. I mean, it's gotta be like, or I'm sorry, outside of players, it's gotta be like 90, 10. I would think I, I would imagine players are even even coming around, which you know this is a pretty good example of why you shouldn't have the players voting on everything. Maybe, um, yeah. F one real quick uh, got invited down by Alpine. Um, I'm doing a story on uh, Pierre Gasly. Played played some golf with him uh, in the middle of the week, and then kind of came back on Saturday just as a as a guest. Uh, to I wasn't work. Yeah, I was just kind of hanging out, uh, which was, which was awesome. It, it was, I mean, in, in those guys are used to this, but my experience of F1 is through drive to survive, you know, and that's been, I think a lot of people's story. And so to see it, because from afar, you're like, Oh, that that's pretty cool. Like I'm into this. It's fun to watch. Uh, my wife and I watch it together. We've watched some races here and there, but we're not, you know, super dialed in. But then to see it up close, to be in the garage, to have the headphones on, to see these guys going past it, you know, 180, 210 miles an hour, you're like, oh, this is this is different. Like it, the the experience up close is extraordinary. Like it it it, it really, I think, gives some some texture and some and some depth to the to to the show, to the Drive to Survive show. So. It was such a it was such a cool experience. Out Al, the Alpine team was so accommodating. They showed so much hospitality. Uh, I had to see the freaking Ryder Cup trophy there because Rory was there. That was a nightmare. Um, it was uh, it was it was really cool. It was a very fun day. I, I saw you with the head with the with the headphones on. Did you have did they have your mic on? Were you calling for everybody to box 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 box? <laughs> So no, uh, but I did my old, I told some people my only goal for the day was to get a a, a selfie with uh, Gunther, the the principal of Haas. I don't know if you guys watched the show, but he's this guy that's just he's 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 crazy. Like he just every other word is an f bomb. Like he's he's nuts. Like he's a maniac, as Josh says in the chat. He truly is. So my only goal was to get a selfie with him, which I did. It's crazy. You, you guys have been to, to golf events. I told somebody it's almost like, you know how the the space between the, the clubhouse and the driving range and the putting green is mostly just players and media? Yeah. Well, at the – yeah, here you go. At, <laughs> at, the, at the F1 thing, they have – basically fans down there i mean it's it's kind of an exclusive fan thing i don't think like not you don't, it's not a general admission thing but players have to walk for, or uh, excuse me drivers have to walk from their sort of hangout area across the 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 walkway where all these fans are and so you're just, people are just walking with lewis hamilton taking selfies that's how i ran into to gunther and uh, somebody somebody uh, responded to that picture i put it on twitter 
and said, there's, he's got a lot of famous quote that he said, this guy keeps telling me if Spieth goes out in 29, he could win. (laughs) 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 Which was just so perfect. So yeah, just an amazing day. Uh, One that, you know, I told Rory it was, it was cool to be at something like that and not be working. You're kind of just enjoying yourself. Uh, And he was, he was kind of laughing like, yeah, that's, that's how I feel also. So it was a, it was a very cool thing. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Well, we were uh, brainstorming uh, before the show, a couple of new first cut brands we've done, uh, you know, first cut after dark, we have done (laughs) this now first cut coffee, golf and Greg, while most were asleep, a victor was crowned in Japan, his name, Colin Morikawa, a six-shot victory thanks to a uh, Sunday 63. We'll get into his week because it was kind of a lot of ups and downs, but finally back in the winner's circle again for the first time in nearly two years. The DP World Tour Championship, his last victory was in November of 2021. Colin has a new trophy for the mantle. Yeah, it's been a long time coming um, and, and a kind of a strange year. I'm sure Kyle can speak on this, but his numbers this year were really, really good. And there was something holding him out of the winner's circle. Uh, you know, you think back to Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii, where he let a lead get away, a close call at the Farmers, and uh, unable to capitalize on a, a victory in a playoff at the Rocket Mortgage, where Ricky Fowler won. So there's been some close calls and some really solid play, but no trophies. And and now you get a beautiful round of seven under 63 to win by six for his sixth title. So it was a long time coming. And the play this week, you know, he goes back to the claw grip, uh, which he has gone back and forth, kind of oscillated between. And it really seemed like the uh, the putter stepped up. Of course, the ball striking was still there. Uh, he had a he hit 15 greens today, um, which was really high quality and and he didn't hit a lot of fairways, but he didn't really, he wasn't missing errantly. He's in position to hit the greens and give himself that kind of opportunity. And for a player who is, he shoots 64 in the first round. It's a crazy, you mentioned that it's up and down. He shoots 64 in the first round and through 40 holes of this tournament, he's back to even par. Yeah. And then we (laughs) get ups the rest of the way. And all of a sudden, he ends at 14 under and uh, and wins in a route on on a tough golf course. So th- this was special stuff from Colin, especially today. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad Greg mentioned this KP because I, I there was kind of a, a a real turning point here. So he goes out in 64. He's leading this golf tournament. He shoots a 73 on Friday, which it was it was much windier. Conditions were much more difficult. But he played his second nine on Friday in 39, three over. And then he starts his round three by making a double on number one, another bogey on four. And I'm like, man, I I guess Colin is going to head in the wrong direction here before he rattles off Saturday birdies on six, seven, eight, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18. That got him back to within arm's reach heading into Sunday. He starts two shots back of Justin Suh on Sunday and then completely fr- flips the script, go nut- goes nuts and and wins this thing in a runaway. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very good summation of, of what happened. I, I think, Rick, the thing that I was thinking about <clears throat> is, 
you know, he wins by six and you kind of start to think back on all the tournaments that he's contended in over the last two years since he won uh, both the open and then he went on to win obviously the DP world tour uh, that November and the six stroke win, it could have been like, like four one stroke wins over that time. Right. And this, this sort of was like a, it almost was a, was emblematic of like, he's been close. And, and I think what's so interesting as you listen to him talk, Rick, um, one of your phrases that uh, that you love, that I think is funny and, and amusing, uh, came to to my mind, which is that he seems a little bit like an unreliable narrator. Completely agree. <laughs> because he was talking about, you know, to hear him talk, you're like, oh, this is this guy on the McKenzie tour? Is he on the Sunshine tour? Like, what what's what's happened here? And <laughs> you look up his numbers. He's like the like the fourth best ball striker in the world over the last two years. And but then at the same time as he's saying, Oh, we spent you see the quote here, we spent so many hours trying to figure this out. At the same time, he's like, Yeah, just kind of was like kind of kept doing the same things I've been doing, and a win uh, kind of happened. And you're like, Well, what which one is it? I, I just I had a hard time navigating that, sorting that out, and I'm curious about kind of where you land on on which one you think it was yeah so i i 100 colin is like number he's like one b of unreliable <laughs> uh bryson one a like uh, like bryson for sure but colin gets away with it because he's like more logical and reasonable but mm -hmm. but but when you read I mean, just just go back and think about this. I mean, the guy who was, quote, lost at the U.S. Open because he couldn't hit his baby cut was in it throughout and and almost won the thing with a draw. Um, the the quotes that we just had, Josh, do we have do we have those up again where he's talking about, you know, how much time and effort and the, the countless hours uh, spent going through videos and trying to figure it all out? Yeah, this is not a guy who missed the playoffs who has struggled this is a guy who is statistically the same golfer he was the first two years who had 10 top six finishes on the pga tour since his last victory and i do go back to um he had an interesting quote and i i, I might not get it exactly greg but there was a quote that he made uh in full swing where he said you know i don't like it but we as golfers have to be selfish at times and mm -hmm. i think that he is very aware of what he puts out in the universe and what gets returned to him and i think that he sometimes does a little bit of self-preservation a little bit of self-protection in some of his comments where when things aren't going well he conflates them a little bit i i think he's a very interesting case study because he is aware he he is aware enough to know what his stats are and how great he's hitting it even if it might not feel that way but i think what he puts out to the universe is is very different than what reality actually is. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting point um in the golf instruction world coaches tell their students all the time that feel and real aren't the same and and i think it's very likely true for pga tour players as well where well, if you're going to have to play a draw at the U.S. Open, you may end the week with some really good stats, but you don't feel like it's going to last. That You don't feel like you can play the shots that you want to play. And so it doesn't feel reliable. 
And even though you may finish the week third and strokes gain approach or whatever he does, it doesn't mean you're really clicking on all cylinders because it doesn't match what you want. And you look through some of his stats and while they're really good, there's three weeks where he's kind of around level uh, approaching the green. And he's probably that was from the open to the tour championship. He's probably not feeling great then. And and then the the last thing about this, which is different when you get into a high level player like Colin Morikawa, is what happens on Sunday. And I think that's really a theme of this tournament. You have Colin Morikawa go out and shoot sixty three. Uh, you have a number of other really good players play some nice Sunday rounds to vault their way up the leaderboard. And you have guys who are trying to win for the first time on the PGA Tour struggle, and areas of their game leave them. So the the point is, well, what happens on Sunday? What happens when all the chips are down? And when you look at Morikawa in since his last win on the DP World Tour, Sunday hasn't been great for him, you know, especially when he's been in contention and he's lost some leads and had some kind of meltdowns. Uh, and that's when the real test is there for the best players in the world. So I think we have a little bit of a perspective difference. Yeah. The other thing KP is it's been weird Sundays and that does not even include the WD at Mirfield village where he was two shots back going into Sunday. That thing was wide open and he tweaks his back and he, and he doesn't tee it up like, like uh, uh, just another data point of, well, that could have easily been a win. (laughs) Yeah. Now you, you guys, you guys are right. Um, <clears throat> there's another quote. I, I pulled it here, Rick. That's even it's even funnier as it relates to the, um, you know, the kind of going back and forth. He says he, he was asked, like, did you did you have doubts about winning? And he said, I think the thoughts in your head start piling up like, OK, well, what did I do differently? What do I need to change? I think that's when sometimes people go too far in one direction. I haven't really done too much, to be honest. <laughs> I just needed, I had to take two steps back and really understand the foundation of what made me so solid as a player in 19, 20, and 21. And I really did that after we finished the playoffs. Not that I took took two steps back. So even in the middle of this quote, he's like, <laughs> he's jumping back and forth. Like, what did you actually do? Sometimes you have to understand from a very basic level of why does your golf game work, right? And so, Greg, I think, I think there's this... Um, I think all great players have this discipline of like this belief, hey, my stuff, like my baseline stuff is good enough. I don't need to I don't need to go down all these rabbit holes. And I think what what you're seeing a little bit in real time with him is this sort of and we've talked about this a bunch, but this sort of angst over do I need to go down? He's almost like questioning himself in real time of like, well, do I need more speed? Do I what was I doing in, in 2020? And I think he's arrived or will arrive at some point where a lot of these guys do Rory and, and JT and, you know, uh, all these greats over the last 10 or 15 years where it's like, no, I think like my, my baseline game when I'm putting it pretty well is good enough to win any tournament in the world. And it's been a meandering journey to get to that point. Um, And I think, you know, what makes what exacerbates that, what makes it harder is that he won so much early. And it was like the luck all tilted his way early. And it's kind of gone away from him more recently. And that stirs up that angst, I think, more than it otherwise would. 
Yeah. And right. Two, two quotes there from close proximity. One, we spent countless hours tinkering and two, I didn't really do anything. I haven't really done too much. <laughs> like, okay, sure. No, no, no worries either way. Uh, seventh, uh, career victory that's worldwide six on the PGA tour. You zoom out it's seven wins, uh, in basically four years of being a professional, which, uh, yeah, feels like, well, it doesn't feel like a lot of those were piled up early, but uh, a little bit of win luck coming back to himself, correcting oh. here. That is uh, a win, 14 under par for Colin Morikawa, and a guy who has been a staple in these Sunday recaps, despite not having a victory, Greg. Eric Cole finishes in a tie for second with Bo Hostler. We'll get to Bo in a second. Eric Cole, eight under, 65, 71, 66, and 70. Uh, I've already crowned him the rookie of the year, I guess, despite that not, that race not being over yet. But Eric Cole continues to play a ton of golf, plays basically more than anybody, and play at an incredibly high level. Yes. Uh, and look, these players, we've talked about this, coming from mini tours, you're playing every chance you get. So you're here, and I imagine there's a great appreciation from him. And it's really hard to say, you know what, I'm not going to play this week, but he continues to perform. And we talked about it on Monday. He's, he's become like an every week start in, in fantasy golf. Cause he has this potential and, you know, maybe we should have seen it come in with Colin Morikawa a little more. I know some of us did, and we'll get to the bets a little later on in the show. Um, but I, I could have been a little more disciplined in playing Morikawa uh, but I was definitely very high on Eric Cole again. And and he shows you exactly why. He is inching his way closer and closer to a win on the PGA Tour. But the thing that held him back today is something he's generally pretty strong with, which is short game. I, I know we don't have strokes gain statistics this week, but you look at what he did with his scrambling, and all of a sudden he's one of five. Right. He's 74th in the field. Round one, he's 16th. He's three of four. Round two, he's 15th, six of nine. Uh, and that was on that really difficult Friday. Round three, he's four of six, tied 21st. And then all of a sudden, one of five. And so the short game in this Sunday moment, uh, even after making a birdie at the first hole, lets him down. And, um, and you wonder if he eliminates some of those bogeys, gets up and down, you know, Two more times, maybe on number two and number four, what happens the rest of the way? Um, but he's getting a lot closer. It's just Sunday's been it's been tough for him to close the deal. Any guesses, KP, on how many events he's played this year? Well, the, <clears throat> it's it's got to be a lot, and this was the point I was going to make. Uh, well, I'll say uh, 32. 36. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll have to look at I I remember there was like an 11 week stretch I think he played every single week. Yeah. I think so. I think the Honda was in the in the where he almost won was in the in yeah, the middle I'll, of that. I'll, I'll look through it here, yeah. But I think in some ways I mean he's he's at heart he's a mini tour player, right? Like and and I don't mean that obviously he's a world class player, but I mean like the spirit of Eric Cole is at just this grinder and I think that is that great in major championship settings? Probably not. Like his skill set is not what some of the other guys is, but for the FedEx Cup fall where you're playing your 36th event of the year, it's kind of it kind of plays into his strengths, which is grinding for for 36 weeks. So, I think that definitely benefits him as well. 
played he played 15 out of 16 weeks from <laughs> that's so much the honda classic to the travelers he took a week off um where did he take that week off somewhere in the middle there he took he took one week off so 15 out of 16 weeks not for a guy greg who I mean, he finished 43rd in the FedEx Cup standings. He he's in that he's in that 50. He doesn't necessarily need to be playing all this much. He made five million bucks, but he just and then remember he is he is supplementing his PGA tour career by still playing these like one and two day mini tour events. Right. He just continues <laughs> to play. And this is where I think we're starting to see it with Sung JM a little bit too, where he played every single week and you kind of realize that the schedule should be designed for performance and the top players take weeks off, not just because they haven't earned enough money and their spot is secure, but it also is a way to, you know, um, design your game. So you perform the best when you want to perform the best. And the amazing thing is playing this much golf, how often he's still been able to rattle off these peak weeks. And, and he's done it a lot. There have been a lot of really close calls, a lot of top six finishes for Eric Cole this year, which is something that's pretty impressive. But as he chases the first win, you wonder, is the is this schedule the optimal way to get that done? Or is there a different strategy? And and I think that's something players like this, again, use Sung JM as an example, kind of learn over time. And, and you work to optimize the schedule instead of, and that, that's once you get past the, I'm on the PGA tour. How could I not play in a PGA tour event? I wanted this my whole life. I'm 34 years old. I finally get here. I'm going to play. But now all of a sudden, I, I think the, um, the motivation for him will turn into, okay, it's, I, I'm good enough to win a tournament on the PGA tour. What do I have to do differently to, to actually win. Uh, and, and so I, I assume that we'll see a change here at some point, but for the time being, it's, it's impressive to watch. Yeah, really is. Okay. We're going to continue this conversation. Um, we'll go further down the leaderboard. We've got to recap our best bets. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back tied in second with Eric Cole is uh, Bo Hostler, someone KP that we've been keeping a close eye on because he entered the week 51st, which in our crazy normal sport is 
also kind of first uh, for, this, <laughs> for this FedEx Cup fall. So he is in that number one spot. We know that the next 10 are going to get entries into the first two signature events of next year, and there's a lot to play for. So Bo Hostler holds court, retains his 51st position after uh, this week's Zozo Championship. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good week. You know, Sean Martin had a really interesting uh, kind of thread or or piece on him where he was talking about how much and and again we don't have like greg said we don't have uh, strokes gained for this so we don't totally know what the numbers were but uh he's really improved his approach play a lot over the last i'd say month is it's been pretty uh, two months really it's been pretty good and i think you're seeing you know he's he that's his um that's where he struggles right over the course of his career let me pull it up he's really good putter good enough off the tee and his approach played negative 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 it's just not very good and so you see when he hits it pretty well like when he's hitting in his irons pretty well oh this guy can score he can he can he can win some tournaments like this so i'm curious to see usually you don't see guys that are how old is he 28 uh kind of transform their iron play at that age but the numbers say it's getting, you know, marginally better. So if that continues, I think he's I think he's an interesting guy for the for the near future. You could have told me he was 48 with how long we've been talking about Bo Hostler, right? I, mean, he's, <laughs> I, know. I, I, I only ever picture him in the visor and the burnt orange and the, you know, that's yeah. 28. Wow. That's a younger, younger than I thought. Sixth in greens regulation this week, 51 out of 72, Greg. And uh, how about taking advantage of this fall? So four events he has played. There's, there's only been four events this fall, 30th at the Fortinet, 28th at the Sanderson farms, seventh at the Shriners runner up finish at the Zozo championship. It's nearly $1.1 million and setting himself up for uh, some really strong events to start off 2024 with only a couple of starts left here in this fall portion. And, and you think about what that means, uh, getting the spots into the AT&T Pebble beach uh, event and uh, where he's finished really well before um, which leads and the Genesis and that kind of the Pebble Beach conversation leads me down the next path, which is we haven't seen Bo Hostler finish in an individual event inside the top five since April of 2022. I mean, he did it twice early on in that season once was at Pebble Beach. So it'll be uh, that that's a good opportunity for him in these bigger events to play really well, because I, I think it's a, a course that he likes that suits him. But the, the reason for that is the iron play, right? When the iron play struggles, it's really hard to finish inside the top five on the PGA tour. So as he's been inching closer this week is a really good sign that this game is much more solid. Uh, and in today's round, he really struggled on the greens. And you look at of the statistics that we do have total putts, typically is just completely useless, but he had, he had 32 putts today. You know, that that's a lot for a guy who's a great putter over, over the period of his career. Uh, and that's the most putts he had in any round this week by four. He had 28 putts in round one, around three and only 25 on Friday's round. All of a sudden it's at 32 speaks to some Sunday pressure, but his game with the improved iron play, 
Pressure, yeah, it's going to come up again too. This isn't the last time, <laughs> uh, but it speaks to the iron play that he's able to stay in the mix, put together a round of golf that leads to a T2 finish instead of going the other way. He's able to lean on his ball striking a little bit. Uh, and and if he can continue to put himself in these positions, we could see a uh, a final round performance that is above expectation rather than okay, and and perhaps that leads to a win. What's his What's his ceiling, Rick? Well, I think you did a really good job of kind of assessing him. He is certainly long enough off the tee. I don't think people realize that he's, he's long enough off the tee. He can hit a little draw that runs out for a while. He is hit and miss with kind of like the wedges and some of these other shots, but he has a really great short game. So I think that he, I think his ceiling is like the 30th best player in the world. Okay. Which I think is, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, there are tens of thousands of guys who would love to be the 30th best. Player. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I mean, he, he's 108th right now in, in ODVGR, but he's 58th in data golf. So he he's, he, he's playing good golf. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I think 30th best player in the world is probably for his, yeah, for his skill. I, I think you're right. I, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, that's, that's, and, and if he, I mean, cause the, I mean, you look at like Russell Henley, uh, you know, depending on where you're looking for rankings, could be like the 12th ranked player in the world right now. He has an elite skill set and other stuff. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say Bo's like ceilings top 30 ish. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's good for him. So those two guys, Bo Hostler and Eric Cole, uh, finishing a tie for second. We've got uh, Robbie Shelton checking in for a T4 with Rio Ishikawa. But I want to point out, the guy here in T6, or at least one of them, and that's Min Woo Lee, 69, 73, 67, 65. And KP, he's coming off of uh, a win on the Asian Tour where he blew out the field 30 under. He has another strong week at the Zozo Championship. He's been playing a lot since uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs has ended. And when you start to go through his profile here, I mean, a T6 at the Players' Championship, a T5 at the U.S. Open, a top 20 at the PGA Championship, and he makes the cut at the Open Championship. I mean, he is starting to show up at the top of leaderboards more frequently, and he is also doing it in some very impressive events. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> not to mention his European tour fall so far, T7 at the Irish, uh, top 15 at BMW PGA, which is, which is like, the European players, yeah. and then he wins on uh, the uh, the Asian Tour, right? Yeah, the, last, the Macau Open. Yeah. yeah, last week. So I'm. I mean, you know how I feel about Minwoo. He's 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 the man. Like he's he's so good. I. It, it's interesting because for some reason I've had this stuck in my head that he <clears throat> struggles off the team, and I think it was because at that Players Championship that you mentioned. He did struggle off the tee. He couldn't hit. Um, he couldn't hit driver. Like, and and Mark pointed this out, and I thought it was smart. He's like, "Yeah, that's a weird course to hit driver on, maybe especially so for him." Uh, but his real his real struggle. His profile is a little bit like Hostler, honestly. He's be he's a better driver. He's a, he's actually a very good driver because he can he can hit so many different kinds of shots off the tee. Uh, but his approach play just hasn't hasn't been that great over the course of his career. So you're like, man, if you were like a zero approach guy. Yeah. Which is not 
a phrase that we use that often. You could, you could, uh, he's, I mean, he's 35th, he's 45th in, in OWGR, 35th in data golf. He could, I think his ceiling is like a top 20 type guy. Um, yeah. And he's kind of trending toward that, but you gotta, I mean, it's so hard to maintain it as we've seen without that approach play. So how does that go for him, you know, at the end of this year and, and into next? Yeah. And it's so interesting because a lot, there's a lot of different angles here, Greg, and, and, and you'll put a different lens on this, but the guy who was, uh, you know, Minji's brother, who was funny on social and cool with his hype videos is actually an incredibly talented golfer. And, and if you were like, um, you know, if you were a, a college scout or a professional scout, you would say, Oh, like this guy's projectable. Like I can see where this is going. He is fit. He has a ton of efficiency, his swing. I mean, he can absolutely move the golf ball. It seems like the trajectory is only going in one direction for Minwoo and it is up and to the right. You know, it's funny. You mentioned college uh, and college scouts and a number of college coaches that I've talked to, say, well, there's five clubs you got to be really good with. Uh, driver, wedges, three wedges, and your putter. And that's kind of a old school mentality. When you get to the PGA Tour and you start having data and strokes gain data, it, you know, long irons come into play a little bit more. Perhaps that's because the golf courses get a little longer and more challenging. Uh, and, and that kind of middle area, iron play and, and wedges becomes a, a lot more important. Uh, but Minwoo really does have that old school ability, which is driver wedges and putter really good. He has a high quality short game uh, and you said he can move it. His club head speed is oh, massive, yeah. right? Yeah. He is fast and, and that raises the ceiling. It raises the ceiling tremendously. Uh, give yourself a lot more wedges into greens, a lot more scoring opportunities. It, it puts you on the same level as the guys that are, you know, keeping Bo Hostler outside the top 20 in the world, right? That's even though Bo is long enough, that's kind of a, a big separator from superstar to really good, really nice career on the PGA tour. So uh, Minwoo's ceiling is a little bit higher, I think because of that club head speed. Uh, and then he has an ability to just go nuts on the greens. He's a rare, it's a rare time that you see in a designated event somebody lose four and a half strokes approaching the green and finish top 10. But <laughs> that's what he did at the travelers it requires great putting, uh, you know, and, and he has that ability. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of Minwoo as well. Uh, and he's a great personality for the game. So it, this guy belongs on the PGA tour. I think we're going to see him play a more regular schedule on the PGA tour this upcoming year. I just remember, when we were at Oak Hill and he hit one in the trees and he was outside the gallery line and he had to hit this wedge kind of up very quickly through this tiny little gap in the trees. And when he made contact with the ground, I felt it in my feet and I was yeah. like, Oh dude, I've never felt that before. That was crazy. And I was like, Oh my God. Like it was such a thump. Um, and, and then, yeah, you look at the, the club speed. I mean, that, that sticks with me so much KP. It, I've never felt that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, so I, I think it was Sean Martin again, did something on him and Gordon Sargent's club head speed. Cause they're both pretty thin. Um, they're not small necessarily, but they're, they're thin guys. And 
for some reason, the way his body is, is constituted, it just lends itself to extraordinary, uh, ball speed and club speed. I was looking for his ball speed numbers, uh, on the, like on PGA tour stats, but I, I think he maybe he didn't play enough. He's not qualified. I was also looking for it. Yeah. So he <laughs> must, he must not, um, he must not be qualified for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, here you go. It's, this is the, the thing I was talking about. Uh, Sean Martin said he's, it's just a shame. They both have high hands and they're laid off at the top. This is Sergeant and Minwoo. And maybe Greg, you can, I mean, this is, I'm getting out of my, my world here, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, go for it. <laughs> uh, you should take it, take it away, Greg. It, it's a pretty simple thing. I mean, you think about all the longest hitters in the game. Rory McIlroy may be the one exception to that, but long hitters have high hands generates DJ, the DJ, uh, Bubba Watson. Um, I mean, who are the John Daly? right? Tiger Woods. They, you run through the gamut. The long hitters have really high hands. Even John Rom, whose club is so laid off, um, his arm plane is really steep and really vertical. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's an important way to generate power. You, then you go the other way, you know, low arm players and you have uh, your Matt Kuchers of the world <laughs> and they're much shorter. You can hit it really straight, but, uh, but you're going to be much shorter. So, yeah, it's absolutely, it is unquestionable. High hands really helps with club head speed. Also, the way these guys use their body is just fantastic. The lower body drive that they have is yeah. uh, really efficient. And and the laid off nature of that position at the top, uh, it allows them to do that. So it, it's a nice combination. I do have an unofficial mark on his club head speed. Give it to us. Uh, unofficial because he didn't play enough rounds, but it's third on tour would be and yeah. 125.71. Now, Brandon Matthews, who was first last year is at 126.33. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't get much faster than that. It would yep. basically be, it would basically be Brandon Matthews camp champ. Minwoo Lee. Yeah. The other thing that Minwoo and Sargent, I think have in common is hip speed. Again, I'm out of my world here, but when I saw Sargent at Augusta this year, I, I was just astonished at the, at the, like the transition in his hips from the top coming, coming back down. And I think Minwoo is a, a lot of the same. So didn't think I'd wake up on a Sunday morning ever and be talking about Min Lee's hips, but here we are. <laughs> no other place in the world can you get uh, that type of analysis. Okay, uh, Josh, do we have the kind of you know FedEx Cup fall standings here? So we're keeping an eye on this. We are now more than halfway through the uh, the seven events. So four out of seven are in the books. Bo Hostler, as mentioned, 51st, Taylor Montgomery, Nick Hardy, Ben Griffin, and Alex Smalley are your top five. Then we get, uh, or I guess that's, yeah, that's five. And then JJ Spawn, Mackenzie Hughes, Steven Yeager, Luke List, thanks to a victory, and then Thomas uh, Dietrich. Now, we've got that side of things, Greg, but we've also got the other side, which is uh, the, the the top 50 who, who are not on this board have been dominating the fall. Right. I mean, the guys that have yeah. chosen to play have dominated the fall. It, it's similar to the conversation we had with Colin Morikawa, right? They're, you're playing for you're playing for cash at this point uh, and to work on your game. But it's a totally different pressure. You know, there's nothing. There's that word again. There's nothing else 
um, that's holding you back. A miscut doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, so you can kind of freewheel it a little bit. You have uh, an opportunity to experiment, an opportunity to put things that you're working on in your game into play uh, in a relatively stress-free environment. Now, once you get under the gun and you're playing and competing and you get near the lead like Morikawa has or like Sahith has, you're competing for that trophy. And so there is still an urgency to it and still an importance to it. But they're the best players. They're inside that top 50 for a reason. And now they come out here in a more uh, relaxed state and you just see them skyrocket. So I just... um it's been fun to watch, but these guys that are outside the top 50 have their hands full. You know, those big jumps that you see up the leaderboard are much more challenging because it kind of gets filled up with top 50 players. Real, real quick, Rick, where do you think the biggest drop-off is from one, <clears throat> if you're looking at 10s, like the top 10, the top 20, the top 30, where's the biggest drop-off in terms of of talent level on the PGA tour. Is it the oh, top? Interesting. Is it the, because I look at this list and I'm like, God, that's a top. Like that's, these guys are obviously world-class players, but it seems like a pretty big drop from 50 to 51, but also it might be a bigger one from 39 to 40. Okay. I was initially, um, I was thinking like, like almost like 29 to the thirties. Okay. Uh, where basically you go from, you know, Justin Thomas, Sung JM, Russell Henley to Shane Lowry, Emiliano Grillo, Denny McCarthy. Okay. Which feels kind of big. Uh, the next, the next tier though, would be like your Adam Shank, Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor. I mean, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's like 29 into the, into the thirties is where there's a pretty big drop off. I was going to say even 19 to you could talk me into night, like the top 19 to 20 or uh, going into the twenties. Uh, either one of those, I think I could be, I could be talked into real quick. KP, the two guys that did not play well, Xander Shoffley, Ricky Fowler, uh, Xander T 38, two over par Ricky Fowler, uh, seven over T 64 in a field of 78, any level of concern or just, Hey, FedEx Cup fall. These guys don't need it. They're still maybe kind of on vacation. Uh, Xander, no concern, even though this is kind of his wheelhouse, the small field, no cut <laughs> deal. Yeah. Uh, Fowler, I don't know if there's concern, but I did write about how he hasn't really, he hasn't done anything since he won. And I remember Correct. that podcast that we did that Sunday in Detroit, not in Detroit, but we did it about his win in Detroit. And we we both agreed. Maybe everybody that was on the pod agreed. Hey, this is this doesn't feel like a, 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 a an end point for Fowler. It feels like part of the trajectory. And now I'm a little bit more uh, questioning of that trajectory. I, I'm not bearish necessarily, but I'm kind of like, huh. That's I didn't think this would be how it went. It's also a completely different stat profile from pre-win to win. And then after that, which is always a little bit concerning for me. So something to keep an eye on, Ricky, heading into 2024. All right, we've got to roll our best bets. And then we got to get out of here because it's a Sunday and uh, we probably have stuff to do. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Our best bets, of course, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, where we make every moment more. And KP, you have been making every moment more this fall. You, my friend, are on Hmm. an absolute heater. This is as good as you can do. Win your matchup, win your finishing position, and win one of your outrights because you can't win both of them. It's Callum Taren over Ben Griffin. It's Colin Morikawa to finish inside the top 10, and it's doubling down on CM for the victory. Congratulations. Well, it's all credit to Rick Run Good, uh, the Rick Run Good newsletter. I mean, if you would read your own newsletter, you'd be making these bets also. I wrote an entire newsletter. I titled it <laughs> Colin Dreams of Sushi. I wrote every little nugget about how he is the exact same guy. The only thing is I actually did. I I bet him, but he did not make my outright card here. I went with Keegan and Adam Scott. Those are the three guys I bet this week. So I get red in my area, but you're right. Yes. I, I love Colin. This, this is, it was coming. You had Callum Terran also. You were, you were high on him. So yeah, it was a, uh, yeah. I mean, once a year you'll hit, you'll hit something like this. So it feels good. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Yeah, I took advantage of Ricky Fowler's struggles. Keegan Bradley over Ricky for my matchup. Cam Champ did not finish inside the top 10. Minwoo beat Hideki. Uh, that was Patrick's matchup victory. Mark took the offer across the board. So uh, do we have the standings, Josh? Because I think they got to be decent. Going, they got to be pretty gotta be. good. He says one moment. So we'll just vamp for a second here. Greg, Greg, how much vamping do you do? You're probably a great vamper. Oh, I bet he's extraordinary. Oh, I can vamp with the best of them. <laughs> I mean, what the question is, what do you want to vamp about this betting card? We want to get into golf. Sw- I mean, we oh, got what's, what's so the, many avenues. No, to- give me look at the bets on here and, and just tell me you, you were not involved yeah. uh, with this. So you have Patrick and Mark, but, but not Greg. Is there, is there any bet on here that you're like, man, that was a good bet. It just didn't hit. Well, I loved Cam Davis heading into the week. Yeah. Um, the problem, so that's Patrick's top 10 play, which yes. he finished uh, T12, by the right. way. Right. So I, I think that's a good, really reliable play. Uh, Rick's Cam Champ top 10, I also thought was a really good bet. Now, the interesting thing, Cam Davis top 10, I feel like, you know, he almost belongs in the winner in the outright category a little more and top 10's a little tight. But Cam Champ, you get that number plus 400 makes so much sense and he's been trending in the right direction. So I think that one feels really good. Um, I do like, I mean, Patrick, well, no, I mean, Mark and Kyle had the Cam Davis in the outright, which are awesome bets as well. I, I like I like the Keegan the Keegan to win that Rick had that, that was um, it's a good number. Obviously one here last year, he's kind of in it on what Saturday. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was within arm's reach for the vast majority of the event. He finished T 19, but yeah, he was around. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a good one. The cam champ did. He did. He did the exact cam champ stuff. 69, 74, 69, 74. It's like, right. Just, and he's got to clean that up. Stop he's doing just, it. He, he's getting closer to it. 
Is he though? Like, I don't know if he, I don't, I don't know if it's in his DNA to clean that up. I think it's, yeah. just, I think he's, uh, you have I to think, win in spite of it. I don't, like, I don't like this perspective, Kyle. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, it is what it is. I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Kyle leads the way. Let's That's go. Clean little 60% ROI over the fall. We've got a majority in the black, which I can't imagine we have ever said that in the history <laughs> of this podcast, even though Patrick has made, hey, five bucks in the of profit is better than five bucks of yeah. a, a loss. So all good there. Uh, we are still looking to get a, a, a correct victim, one single correct bet for Mark, apparently. <laughs> Over. That's tough. Uh, he'll, he'll win the one and done by, you know, a million. Yeah. And if that wasn't good enough, KP, you tacked oh. on the best bet as well. Cam Davis, top 20. Just on fire. I, I, I loved Cam Davis this week too, Greg. I, I think that he – I'm really interested. Uh, my friend Joseph Lamagna was really big on him coming into 2023, and he was not – he just didn't – it wasn't there um, at, at the level that I think some people thought it would be. But you could say the same about 2024, right? Like he's really, really interesting. His skill set is awesome. He's really, I think, maturing into a really, really good PGA Tour player. I'm, I'm interested to see what he does in 2024. Yeah, Great. I agree. Yeah, and and Greg, that's something we talked about too. Is even some of the courses that would not necessarily be great spots for him, or on paper great spots for him, he showed up, which is I th I think is one of the better signs of maturity, and that's really good and projectable on the PGA tours when you play well at a bunch of different golf courses. He's not locked to any one style. Yeah. It's almost it's like well, anywhere we go can be a Cam Davis course. Yeah, which is that's next level stuff. Yeah. All right, gents, Zozo Championship, first cut uh, coffee golf. Anything else that we need to chat about before we get out of town? I don't know. Well, I do know what we have on the schedule for next week. I don't know if I should say it, though. Can I say it, Josh? It's one of those situations where you have something booked, but like this stuff falls through last minute all the time because people are busy. I don't know if I know about this. You might not. You know, you know, you know it was in the works, but you might not know that we have a time. Okay. Date. Are we going to do it live, Josh? Is that the plan? We'll do it live. Because that would kind of be sick if we could take audience stuff too. Okay. Um, I'm getting the go ahead here. So if this falls through, this is Josh's fault. <laughs> we, we have scheduled for Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and everyone is welcome. Uh, we've got the man, Michael Block, is going to come on. Whoa, blocky, blocky golf, blocky golf, not coffee golf, blocky golf, blocky golf. We've got them. We've got them. So that's going to be great. And we're apparently going to do it live. So bring your questions, bring your comments, bring your concerns, bring it all. <laughs> We've got the blockster. That's awesome. Uh, anything else, boys? Uh, this was pointed out in the chat, but, uh, you you need to get out to the Vegas race, the F one. Yeah, I'm I'm work I'm working my contacts. I'm yeah. I'm working I'm working the phones. I've got you know uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sneak in there and see how how close I can get to the old uh, 
to the boys to Max. That's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's set up on the on the strip. That's gonna be crazy. It's nuts, dude. They have they have built these. Uh, I, I mean, you can't. Okay, so the Bellagio fountains, right? The the one of the most iconic things on the strip for however many years is now just like blocked by grandstands, and you can't see it. And like, I could never imagine a scenario in which they have put up a structure to block the Bellagio fountains. Yet here we are. Um, <laughs> it's like it's nuts, man. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's it's gonna be wild. They, they were telling me that the qualifying, I think, is happening at like midnight or something because of the I, I don't I don't actually know why, but it's gonna be cold and they're like, I don't we don't know about the tires. <laughs> it's gonna be a circus. By the way, Joe Musa just left maybe the best uh comment I've ever seen in in this in this podcast history. Uh he said, What if Blocky could just write leads like Porter? <laughs> There you go. That's all you need to know. We're, we're ending on that. We're leaving on that. I can't beat it. Big thanks to uh, producer Josh, who does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme, available on Twitter at The Real GFD, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>